You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to be joined by weekly contributor Peter King from the MMQB and Raiders reporter Vic Tafer spotlighting John Gruden's return to Oakland. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. Let's start with defense because as we watch this team close out the regular season, how much credit do they deserve for how they played in the month of December and then kept it going, containing the Rams' high-powered offense on Saturday night? They deserve a lot of credit. Like I've been someone who's really excited about watching the Falcons turn into the Seahawks, not just the Seahawks, but the championship version of the Seahawks. So we go on championships here. Knowing that Dan Quinn had a uh, significant defensive background, having our defense be the quote-unquote deficiency of our team was a good thing for us because he was going to get it right eventually. The way Deion Jones is playing, the way that Trufant and you know, both our corners, all for that Trufant are playing, is something that Falcons fans should look forward to because we just have you know, you know the skies the living. Matt Ryan and didn't have MVP numbers this year, but he's still an MVP and can pull out that performance anytime we need to. So we're in a good spot. Ovi, no one knows, but you and I had an opportunity to spend some time together in Baltimore. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Mr. Stewart. It's uh, good, to, good to hear from you, man. Yeah, we had a good time working together. Had uh, yes, that, we- that chance uh, at the Super Bowl when uh, me and Rampage Jackson was doing a stand-out contest. I'm hoping he's going to back me up if he tried to put me in a chokehold. <laughs> hey, man, some of those fights you have to be on your own. But let's just think about <laughs> this fight uh, that the Falcons are having, uh, I think, with being inconsistent. Uh, when you think of what they've been able to do, yes, uh, they have moments in time when Vic Beasley were out. Uh, they would come in and, and try to find ways to get it done. True Font being out, they find ways to get it done. And But Matt Ryan, he's been a little inconsistent. Um when you watch what they have to go up against going on the road in Philadelphia, uh, being that they're in their, their dome team, what do you think they're going to have to do in order to walk away with the victory coming out of Philadelphia? In order to get a win in Philadelphia, you're right. You know, they, they have been inconsistent. They haven't been as uh, uh, on point as they were last year. But it is a new coordinator, and it is, uh, you know, trying to get in the, on the same page and get in that same flow. If you notice, with Shanahan's first year, Matt Ryan was wildly inconsistent to the point where they wanted to run Shanahan out of town. But after a while, they got on the same page. I think the fact that, you know, inconsistency comes and goes, the way to kill all of that, and I'm a little biased because I'm a fullback slash running back, is to run the ball. You've got a beast in Freeman. You've got somebody in, in Coleman that can also, you know, go inside and outside. You have all types of ways to attack a defense on the ground. Why not use it? And once you soften them up, you know, as a quarterback, it makes it easier to get the play-action throws in, gets it easier to pull, make, pull those linebackers up. So it, it's got a uh, complicated uh, um, formula to get us going right. Run the dark ball, run behind the fullback. You know, that's that. You don't have to. I think it helps. Run behind the fullback and uh, get those uh, big chunks of plays, chunks of yards. Let's focus more on the quarterback position. A year ago, Matt Ryan won the MVP award. This year, you know, he has been inconsistent. Where do you think he is at this stage of the season heading into the matchup on the road in Philadelphia this weekend? He's in a good spot. You know, Matt, uh, and those of us who've been in the huddle with Matt, I had a chance to play with uh, Matthew for five years. He's uh, competitive just, just like anybody else. And he knows that it's going to be uh, uh, the best quarterback that wins and nothing against Nick Foles, but Matt Ryan's the best quarterback. He doesn't play like that. So going back to the office corner um, comment, every game that goes by, he gets in better sync with the office corner. He gets, he and Sarkeesian are, are you know, speaking the same language. They're able to uh, uh, understand what the other one is thinking. And get me, not that Matt doesn't have all the freedom in the world to make changes, but when Matt sees something and he'll go down to the sideline and have a conversation, you know, see, it's just, it's just that, you know, having that control trying to say, you know, I think I see this, Matt Ryan thinks he sees that, but let Matt do what he thinks is best because, you know, he is our MVP quarterback. So I think Matt is inconsistent like the whole team, but this game is going to come together because it has to. 
Obi, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, I'm looking over some stuff. Uh, ESPN staff writer Vaughn McClure mentioned that uh, Matt Ryan didn't practice, and it wasn't because of injuries, but more for personal reasons. Uh, give me your take on if you know anything about that, and if there is something wrong where there's an issue as we move forward, how would Matt Schaub actually end up coming in uh, to actually fill in if needed, if something were to happen? Yeah, um, I do not know anything about that. But, you know, as you know, Cordell, it, it could be anything. The personal reason could be absolutely anything. It could be anything. Uh, it could be something good, something bad, something in between. You never know. Uh, you know, is cat going to pass? You need to take a personal day. I, I have no idea. But uh, Matt's going to be ready. Uh, I've seen him not practice all week and go through walkthroughs and, and throw up 300 yards before. You know, when you got targets like Julio and Sanu, uh, it, it doesn't matter too much uh, how much uh, prep you get. Because these guys at this point, they're in sync. Now with Shaw, uh, Shaw's a, he's a, he's an old horse. You know, but the quarterbacks who are long in the tooth can still be good. Not as uh, mobile as, as you would like him to be, but with the way offensive line has been playing, the way that you know Jake Matthews and especially Alex Mack and, and all those boys, Schrader, have been protecting Matt Ryan, I think it's protect uh, uh, Matt Schaub just as well. And if he has time, smart quarterbacks don't need a big arm. You can be able to pick apart the defenses, find the zones, be able to throw DBs off your eyes, all the things you used to do. So uh, I'm confident in Schaub or, or Matty Ice to get the job done. Obi Mahaley is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. How would you evaluate Steve Sarkeesian overall year one as the Falcons play caller? Do you think he found his rhythm as the season progressed? He has. But he had a, uh, a losing battle because how in the heck do you beat number one in almost every gosh darn category uh, and an MVP performance? Like, there, there, there's no way to uh, do better than that. So whatever he did was going to be wrong or was going to be less than uh, the number one. So Steve had to become his own person and, and find that healthy balance of trying to add on to what Matt was already doing but not change it too much to where he um, – Kind of run a whole new system, and that's where our ego comes in. It's all the NFL. It's the players and the coaches, and so feeling like he's just taking somebody else's system and being handcuffed to it is something that not all coordinators get into the stomach. They sometimes want to put their own stamp on things and end up messing it up. But Steve was smart enough, and you know, and humble enough to say, "I'm not changing what's worked for Matt Ryan. Let me just add to it in, in my own personal way," which didn't look pretty at first. But now that the season's, uh, you know, near, well, the season's over, went to the playoffs, you're seeing him do more in that positive realm. Last year, we had an opportunity, probably in the latter part of last season, uh, you end up seeing this Falcons team somewhat, but Dwight Freeney, obviously a part of it, he's not there now. But you saw this front four look as if they were running a 40-yard dash, so to speak, kind of like having a track meet. I think they've kind of found that same recipe of playing ball again. This front four is really being able to collapse collapse the prop, the pocket and being a former quarterback, I hate when that happens because you have to step up and if you have someone mirroring you, it can be an issue. Is this the recipe and this is the time of the year you think this team has really wanting to find a way to, to be hitting on all cylinders because that's what it looks like. They're running the football well. Defensively, they're playing great. Can they go back to the Super Bowl this year? Of Obi? You know, it's funny, and I'm obviously one of the biggest Falcons fans out there. I still live vicariously through Julio and Matt and guys I played with. So I'm rooting for them. But I honestly did not think they would um, go far this year just because of the whole slump, just because just of the numbers. Very few teams can go back-to-back and do what – uh, you know, a couple of uh, lucky teams are done. They had a long season. They had injuries. They had uh, some things that, you know, you felt that may not uh, give them the, the, the best chance. But they surprised everybody. I didn't think they were going to be this good or, and, and uh, uh, do this well. But their defensive line has been saving something. Because Vic Beasley is not the sack master he was last year, but yet every game that they go deeper into the season, you see Adrian Claiborne causing the muck. You see uh, Grady Jarrett out there getting pushed in the middle, which, as you know, quarterbacks hate. And they're, they're starting to gel. Now, I won't go as far as they're there. the New York Giants D-line that led them to Super Bowls, but they're starting to become a force, which is a good thing for us.
Finally, what can you tell us about the great work your foundation is doing and your affiliation with the March of Dimes? What are the details? Yeah, uh, you know, I always uh, stay busy. I've, I've been blessed with so much. I want to try to bless others. My, my whole well, career, I've been kind of focused on sustainability and the environment. And, you know, I always talk about wanting to give my kids the best. But I realize I can't really do that unless I focus on um, the environment and make sure they got something uh, to, to live for. So what we're doing is taking a, you know, a, a page, you know, almost literally from one of my favorite comic books and cartoons, Captain Planet Foundation, Captain Planet, and working with the Captain Planet Foundation, and we're creating the first ever sports and environmental superhero. He's called Gridiron Green. I went to uh, New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, and we have an environmental superhero that's going to be debuting in February. So I'm excited about that. And with the March of Dimes, my wife and I, we had uh, our last two children uh, premature. Uh, one was born two months earlier, one was born two and a half months early. You know, itty bitty things, two pounds, uh, three pounds. Had to say the NICU, uh, go to the hospital for uh, two or three months. So now we work in March of Dimes to help you know, mothers have healthy babies, and we are the host family. So my uh, my kids who are now healthy, they're, they're healthy, beautiful children. My five-year-old girl and my three-year-old son are going to be models to try to uh, raise money and, and uh, you know, kind of help other people be able to have a happy ending like we did. So I'll, I'll hit you up for money, Cordell. I know you got it. Hey, man. Just reach out to me, bro. We're good. <laughs> I got you, man. We're good, man. We're good. I'll make that happen, Obi. Don't worry about it, because sometimes Cordell loses his wallet, but we'll take care of it. We, uh, we appreciate you joining us on the program today. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year, and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in Peter King from the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, always a pleasure. With John Gruden returning to Oakland today, it felt like a coronation. What are your expectations for how he's going to do in his second stint with the Raiders? Brian, to me, I think one of the big questions about Gruden is uh, going to be, can he fix the quarterback? Because I I don't know how you can't be sort of a Derek Carr fan based on his 2016 season, but I think he regressed last year. And I think Gruden, you know, I talked to Chris Sims last week. He was a a longtime Gruden quarterback in Tampa uh, for my podcast. And one of the things he said is that, you know, that, that Derek Carr is going to get coached hard every day. And I think that's what Derek Carr needs. Uh, and I also need think that that offense needs some leadership. Uh, it's tough when you bring in a guy like Marshawn Lynch and you say to the quarterback, hey, you're the boss of this offense. I mean, it's tough because, you know, Marshawn Lynch is a, is a huge leader in and of himself. So anyway, I, I think it's a really good hire. I understand the trepidation and what everybody says, how crazy it is to get a guy for for 10 years, and I agree with that. I think that teams are going to be a little bit shaky about – the Raiders are going to be shaky about Gruden after seven or eight months, never mind seven or eight years. But I do think it's something that they needed. I like the hire. I just think it might cost them some money on the back end. Peter, when you look at how things look – about the National Football League, just comparing San Francisco to Oakland. This six-year deal you see with Kyle Shanahan and also uh, with their GM and, and John Lynch, do you kind of see this being a trend that now all of a sudden you see John Gruden get 10 years to where three, three to four years is not enough? It has to be five, six, maybe well, no, 10 years I th- to do it. Cordell, I think this is an outlier because I think what happened in this story is that so Al Davis dies in 2011. Mark Davis three different times has tried to hire John Gruden, and finally he gets him. 
So uh, I think this is one of those things where finally Mark Davis said, okay, look, I got to make this offer so stupid that he can't say no. And I mean, John Gruden for the next decade to coach a football team is being paid a hundred million dollars. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm saying that is holy crap. That's, that's (laughs) what that is. That's, that's utterly unbelievable. And so, I mean, it's almost one of these things that he offered him so much money. He couldn't say no. And so I don't think you're going to see the Indianapolis Colts offer Josh McDaniels 10 years, $100 million. Although you never know what Jim Irsay is. We take no, you don't PBB. know. You don't know. <laughs> MMQB. Peter, we're down to four open coaching jobs now. Which one that's still available do you think is most attractive? Oh, great question. I would say probably Indianapolis because I trust Chris Ballard. Um and I do think that Andrew Luck, from everything that I've heard, is going to be okay. Now, is that an absolute sure thing? No. Um, so you'd probably be taking a little bit of a leap of faith. But I think Andrew Luck still has some good or some great, not just good years ahead of him. Alex Smith in Kansas City has, I think, put up his better year. I mean, his first time yeah. in his career throwing for over 4,000 yards. What do you see him landing uh, next season if he's not with Kansas City? Uh, you know, to me, I kind of look at this Cordell and I say, let's look at history, okay? John Dorsey in Cleveland is not going to play with Pickett, you know, uh, Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen, whoever, he's not going to play a rookie quarterback opening day barring a major upset. And I would be surprised if he's playing Deshaun Kaiser opening day, although he might. Um, He's a veteran quarterback guy. And so my feeling is he's bringing in a veteran quarterback. So who's he going to bring in? I mean, is there any way he can get Sam Bradford? Maybe. Is there any way? But the logical thing is that he brings in a guy who he knows. And the other thing that that uh, that John Dorsey loves is that about Alex Smith is that he knows that Alex Smith will walk in the door working, and he's going to show the, whoever they draft and Deshaun Kaiser. He's going to show them this is how you prepare to play quarterback in the NFL. If you ask the Chiefs right now, they'll tell you that one of the great things about having Pat Mahomes on the team this year, whatever happens next year, is that he learned how to prepare uh, from one of the best in in Alex Smith. Now, I'm not saying that that he absolutely will go there. I'm saying that, in my opinion, I think Cleveland's going to go after him. And uh, I, but I also think that other teams, I would not be surprised if if Arizona goes after him. I will not be surprised, even though they probably wouldn't do it, if Denver goes after him. I think the apple of Denver's eye, honestly, going into the offseason is Case Keenum as far as bringing in a veteran. Um, but I, I still think I still think that Minnesota, you know, uh, all things being equal, is going to try to uh, re-sign Case Keenum if the money is reasonable after the year. Peter King is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, last one for me. This weekend you wrote about your conversation with Patriot owner Robert Kraft after the ESPN report suggesting there's major friction within the organization. How do you reconcile what Kraft told you compared to what was detailed in the ESPN piece? I've been trying to reconcile it ever since Kraft adamantly told me it never happened. And as I've told people, I've known Kraft for a long time. And to the best of my knowledge, I've, I've, I mean, I, I trust him implicitly. So I can't tell you. I also think that Seth Wickersham is very, very good. And so I guess the only point that I would make about this is I think something happened. And I think a few things are happening inside that organization. Um and uh, all you have to do is is look at sort of the reporting around this story uh, this season, you know, by the Boston Globe, by ESPN, by other outlets, uh, by basically by those two outlets. 
and something's going on. Something is happening. I don't know all of what it is, but I do think in the very near future. I, you know what I'm interested in, guys? You, you, you tell me. I mean, the, 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 you know, Brady's fitness guru, I mean, I, I hate to say it. I, just, I don't care that much about that story. I, I mean, I know it probably ticks off Brady, but so what? He's still going to come in and try to win games and all that stuff. I, you know, I, it's not that big. What's a big deal to me? is if the owner ordered the code red, right. you know, if the owner owner ordered the the quarterback to be the backup quarterback to be traded, that's a big deal, you know, and he claims absolutely not. And, and uh, who knows? But so, so all I'm saying is that is the part of that story down deep in the story that when I look at it, I think would be the most concerning long-term uh, to uh, the Patriots' long-term stability. And that's sort of why I highlighted that. Peter, great information as always. And as a testament to the power of technology, sounds like you're right in the room with us. Wonderful <laughs> I, audio today, Peter. I am right in the room with you. Don't lie. Oh, it's radio. <laughs> Theory of the imagination. All right, Peter, quietly leave the room as I continue. Thank you, Peter. We'll chat with you later this week. Hey, have a great rest of the week, guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes Episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Hollywood Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on John Gruden's return to the Raiders with Vic Tafer from TheAthletic.com. Vic, thanks for taking the time. What were your takeaways from being in the room watching on TV? Many ways, it felt like a coronation. Yeah, it was kind of like a big circus came to town. It was uh, kind of cool. All the former players came. Obviously, everyone fired up. Uh, Gruden was good. He said all the right things. Uh, Mark Davis was obviously very happy, kind of nervous, but very happy. So, yeah, it's a big day for the organization, trying to turn the corner once again and get things back on track. Vic, you've seen this organization go up and down and have some success, and the last time they have had success was when John Gruden was there, other than uh, Coach Callahan actually taking the team to a championship. But I think overall, you could assume, uh, we can all say, that uh, Coach and Gruden end up having an opportunity to be special. What makes him so great to be able to come back and be the head coach of this team. He says, like, unfinished business. Obviously, losing the, a game of the Patriots and the Tuck rule still uh, gnaws at him and some of the players that were here. I think uh, he didn't want to go out the way he did. Like he mentioned, he didn't trade himself. He got traded. He didn't want to lose. Always a thought about coming back, and obviously now is the right time. His son's getting older, and the last one's in uh, a senior year in high school. He'll be out of the house soon. So now is a good time to get back. And Like he said, finish his coaching career in Oakland and kind of get things back where he thought they should be the first time. Vic, what do we know and what's reasonable speculation about how the rest of the coaching staff for John Gruden could look like? Well, Greg Olson will be on board. He's a new offensive coordinator. The uh, Rams uh, quarterback coach was here with uh, Derek Carr his rookie year as the OC, and he's back. Kind of like, when I look at it, it's kind of like a good cop, bad cop. I think Gruden will definitely try to ride Derek pretty hard. I think Olson with the guy kind of soothes his feelings a little bit, make sure they're all on the same page. I think it's a good a good hire, always a, is a great guy, and obviously everyone loved him the first time he was here, and just have a good guy to have around the locker room and, and the coaching staff. Um, on defense, we're bringing in Paul Gunther from the Bengals as a coordinator. Um, they like his style of defense in, with Cincinnati, kind of like attacking, kind of uh, like the secondary is always a strong unit there. Secondary's been bad here for a year, so I think they're excited about those two guys. Those are the first two pieces of the fall. But obviously, I don't, I don't think money is an object. I think Gruden can get whoever he wants at this point. When you think of what Gruden's brings to the table, because we watch on television, it was ESPN, he had Gruden's camps for the QBs. Rich Gannon kind of was in some conversations about maybe coming along. We know he hadn't exercised that quite yet to the extent of having him there. But give me a take. How much would that help Derek Carr to be more consistent and become one of the elite quarterbacks on a consistent basis for that team? Yeah, Rich was here again today. And yeah, who knows? He might be the quarterback coach. I mean, that's something they're going to talk about this week and all. But I think... He's mentioned he thinks Derek needs to get a little more uh, more time in the building, more more time on watching film, kind of breaking things down. Obviously, Rich was kind of uh, 
just you know, relentless kind of a film guy, just kind of here all hours of the day when he, when he played. So I think, you know, that can't but do anything but help Derek. I think Derek obviously needs to, to get back to where he was a couple of years ago and take that next step. I think um, if Gannon's aboard, if it's just Gruden, I think that's going to play the plan. It's kind of uh, just hammer home some details and get him back where his mechanics are kind of so ingrained in his head that they won't go wrong like they did this year. Talking Raiders with Vic Tafer from TheAthletic.com in the San Francisco Bay Area. Vic, beyond the football implications of the hire, how much do you think John Gruden returning to the Raider organization is motivated by generating interest in Vegas with the team moving to Nevada in 2020? I think it's good on both fronts, both Vegas and here. I think Oakland, they're here in another two years. So they're going to sell tickets for at least two more years. And I think that would have been tough if, if the, you know, regression from last year had continued. And there wasn't a lot of excitement in the offseason. I think it brought everybody back. So I think it'll definitely help with Oakland fans. He mentioned Oakland fans at least three times a day. He wants to win for them here before they leave town. So that's big. And also, as far as Vegas goes, and they got to sell some PSLs. And who better than John Gruden to sell things? They can put his picture on, on billboards and you can have things at the Hooters Casino. He's a Hooters spokesman with the Hooters Casino and do things there. So I think it's a great uh, move on both fronts. Chucky Face will come back, I'm assuming, Vic, and I think everyone there in Raider Nation is excited about that. But let's talk about his contract. I mean, I don't like putting my hands in people's pockets, but this is a big one. Ten years, 100 million bucks. Is he worth that, let alone any other coach in the National Football League worth 10 years, 100 million bucks? Well, no one's probably worth it, but my, the way I look at it is the NFL has gotten to the point now where it's kind of ridiculous, and money just doesn't mean anything. I mean, people just throw around money. There's so much, it's like, the money's falling from the sky in this league, so I don't think it really matters. I, there's no salary cap for coaches. You can pay him whatever he wants. My inclination is what happened was he said, I want $100 million. They got to figure out how that doesn't work. You know, seven years, 10 years, a minute, 10 years, but who knows? Like he said himself today, he could be dead in 10 years. You have no idea what's going to happen in life. So the, the 10 years part, it sounds like a big deal, but to me it's more about, the, you know, obviously huge financial commitment, and he'll be the guy here for a while. He'll be the guy here from, you know, last two years in Oakland and at least the first couple of years in Vegas. Vic, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Bye, guys. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites. We've rounded up our favorites, and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for our producer to play the role of judge in a segment we call Average Abe. One co-host was the most versatile quarterback of his generation. The other co-host is an Emmy award-winning media elite. How hard could it be? I'm a Stanford grad. I'm a genius. But who speaks for the fans on NFL No Huddle? Let's turn to a man whose football knowledge is better than most, but not as exceptional as he believes. Average Abe. It says on the cue card he handed me, let's bring in super producer Abe Gordon. Abe, where do you want to start? This is your segment. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Glad to be here. Uh, we're going to start in Oakland, soon to be Las Vegas at some point, with the Raiders. And uh, John Gruden has been announced as their head coach. He has a 10-year contract with the team. My question to you, Cordell, first. When the calendar hits 2025, will he still be coaching the Raiders? In other words, is he going to coach at least seven years with the Oakland-slash-Las Vegas Raiders? I'll give him at least seven years, and I think all of that will be predicated on if they could make a run to a championship. This is why I say he'll be fine. is because allegedly from what I've heard from sources, 
is this 10-year contract is backloaded. It's not front-loaded, meaning that he'll literally get $10 million bucks a year. This is more of a backloaded contract, which basically means the monies that will be given him to him early, I think will give him some leeway and some time to be able to create this roster that they choose to create so that that number won't count against the cap and what they have taken place and hinder them from being able to grab some players. So what he's done is he's done a, a somewhat of a favor I would say to the organization and it's gotten backloaded to the point where that time spent throughout the first five to seven years will be one where it's building this offensive line. It's building uh, this defensive side of the football. It's getting more receivers, getting tight ends involved, finding the young tailback to be able to help a Derek Carr and get Derek Carr revived or even taken to another level. Let's just say that in his game. I think what happens with John Gruden, he brings such a different era, you know, air, not era, but air to this team. You have old guys who are waiting as we speak to see when this guy actually officially signed his deal or even have his presser to let everyone know that he is the man for the job. So while, yes, everyone's excited about it, everyone is enthusiastic about it. You have a lot of older players from the past remembering the success he had with the Oakland Raiders, not combined with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but what he had with the Oakland Raiders. They're excited about that. But most importantly, it becomes a numbers game because if the numbers are too high initially, and they're not winning, I think it forces him out sooner than he wants to, even though the number does say 10 years. I think because it's backloaded from a business standpoint, it gives him a grace period of maybe three to four years to figure it out. If he does it sooner, great. He gets an opportunity when within that time, I think it pushes pushes him to at least seven years to maybe more. Just depends on how much he wins and can he get this team to a championship. Ordell, by now you know the key to Abe Gordon's maniacal approach is you got to listen to the question. Will he still be coaching the Raiders? The answer is no, but he didn't say, will he still be the face of the franchise? The 10-year contract, I'm told, is a personal services contract, meaning at some point Mark Davis is going to realize Chucky at 60 years old is not going to have the same impact on his players. Oh, look at him. He's growling on the sideline in Las Vegas. They're going to tune him out. This is a different generation we discussed earlier. I'm not convinced it's going to work at all. It's not my money. Go get paid, my man. But $100 million is really all about taking this franchise from Northern California to Nevada. So John Gruden will not be the head coach in seven years, but he'll still be with the organization. They'll kick him upstairs because, according to reports, the total value of $100 million is fully guaranteed. And even when Mark Davis starts printing money in the state of Nevada, he's not writing a check to Gruden for $30 million to go away. So let me answer the question succinctly. Gruden will not be coaching the Raiders, but he'll still be with the organization in some made-up front office capacity. I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know all of that that Brian laid out for me, but I do agree with what he said. I do not think he will be coaching the team in seven years, uh, so apparently he will still be with the organization. Thank you, Webb, for hooking us up with that info. So uh, Brian Weber, off to a fast start, gets point number one. Moving on to question number two, Cordell. Will Alex Smith be a starting quarterback in the NFL next season? And if it's not with the Kansas City Chiefs, which team will it be with? I'll tell you what, he will be in the National Football League. That's a two-part question. Yes, he will be in the National Football League next season. He won't go to the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're not going to want to spend that much money on that position when everything else is so good. Maybe going to the draft and grab a young kid like the Mayfield kid of the world to help out uh, Blake Bortles. So that won't be one of those places. I think another place where he may have a chance to go to is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, They're not buying into Ryan Tannehill that much. Jay Cutler won't be there. So you have to assume that they may be a potential place. But I'll go somewhere that may be a little bit more intriguing. It may create a little bit more of, of of a rivalry, so to speak. I think it goes right there to the Denver Broncos. Why not give him an opportunity within that division to be able to go to the Denver Broncos, hand it to Andy Reid, hand it to Patrick Mahomes, hand it to the fan base and the pundits who are basically saying it was his fault 
that he didn't play or this team didn't win against this Tennessee Titans football team. I like an Alex Smith playing in the Denver Broncos uniform. You know who's the face of that organization and how he played the game? That's John Elway. He's the GM. He makes all the calls. He loves a quarterback that's capable of moving in the pocket, but most importantly, as efficient as Alex Smith was, he's deserving of an opportunity to be a part of an organization like this Denver Broncos Broncos organization that's truly done nothing but win opposite. Obviously, this year they did do a good job because I think they just screwed it up tremendously when it came down to the quarterback position. But I think you bring someone in because that's a position that they have to investigate and actually try to find who can come in and maybe help out a Jamal Charles and company, this C.J. Anderson and his team and this receiving core because he has a good arm. He's a smart player. He still can run the football when you need him to, and he'll be able to help out that offensive line if something were to break down. With this defense that I think still has at least another year to two years max uh, of being able to play together and try to make a run. So if there's a team, one, he will be in the National Football League, and two, if there's a team where I think they will open with open arms, invite him to come in, and his team be a team to be reckoned with within the AFC West, I think it would be the Denver Broncos mainly because of John Elway and what he knows. He doesn't have with the other three, but what he could have with a veteran that's capable and, and able to win this division, but most importantly, probably get him back to a championship. Just a little confidence, vote of confidence. I think they'll be fine. The answer is Cleveland, and I'll articulate why that's the proper <laughs> choice in a second. Cordell, can I reach out directly to you, even if I lose this segment? Why in time. the world would Kansas City trade him within the division? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It, 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 a lot of things don't make a lot of sense. A lot of things right now, 87 yards. By Blake Bortles. they still in the postseason. We're talking make about Kansas no City. sense whatsoever. What's their motivation to trade him within the division? I don't see that. Well, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of things that happen. We saw Andy Reid trade uh, Donovan McNabb to the Washington Redskins. What's that reason? Back to you. Donovan ahead, couldn't play anymore. Oh, oh, well, well, now we say that now because no, of... we knew that at the time. They were moving we, on. Look at Alex no, Smith's numbers. He was the most efficient quarterback in all of football this year. Okay, tell your story. Go ahead. I'm I listening. just did. I'm poking oh, holes you in your logic. No, the answer is Cleveland, and it's very straightforward. Oh, jeez. Sometimes we go through all of this high. Sometimes I dream. Yes, I'm rationale. Sorry. He all is right. me, like Cordell. I wish Thank I could you. be like Cordell. You're doing well. You're doing well. Keep going. Think about who the GM of the Cleveland Browns is now. The answer is John Dorsey. Where do he used to work? Kansas City. There's a relationship there. Cleveland is going to appease the fan base. You can quibble as to whether it's the right call, but they're going to draft Sam Darnold number one. However, they're not going to rush him onto the field because they will have traded for Alex Smith to be the placeholder, metaphorically, the starter the next two years. Then you have a smooth transition to Darnold, who's not ready to play. So, A, there's no way Kansas City's trading him within the division. B, when he's traded, he's going to Cleveland, Abe Gordon. Oh, 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 don't go anywhere. So hold on. So you're telling me that the Cleveland Browns is going to repeat the same behavior, which is which to me, it's called insanity by having all these quarterbacks on the roster at one time. You're talking about Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser, who was drafted in the second round. You're going to go spend this money Mm -hmm. on Alex Smith. And then you are going to first the first pick overall in the draft and grab a kid who's not ready to play in the National Football League. And Sam Darnold, did you watch the last game with Sam Darnold of his career there with this with the USC Trojans? Have you seen that? And so now you're telling me they're going to have three quarterbacks with all this money invested in them on this roster again they set themselves back five to ten more years go ahead go ahead know, many teams carry three quarterbacks but this is abe segment go ahead abe brian weber 2.0 he's gonna take another one cordell right now this game's looking a lot like last night's national championship game oh, brian weber right now. university <laughs> of georgia <laughs> coming out hot not over yet my man <laughs> there's a second half cordell there's a second half if you can repeat what bama did you might have to switch your uh, method you like they did. You might have bench court and go. go with a backup court. So, you, so you and Abe Gordon are saying that they're going to have Alex Smith, Sam Deshaun Kaiser. I, no, I'm saying Sam, I agree exactly hey. with what Weber said. He's not going to be traded in division. Hey. Okay. All right, That's but why. you forgot the Sam Darnold stuff. So you take the Sam Darnold, the Deshaun Kaiser, as well as uh, I think after Alex the Smith past couple of young guys, they'd like a, a veteran to at least uh, give a little bit of That's leadership. That's an expensive veteran. Hey, but go watch out. Two is warming McCown, up Brian on the Horner. sideline. Here comes Tua for a comeback. Take it out. Back to you, Here he comes. You're going to have a sideline warning. You keep going at this, Cordell. All right, question number three, Cordell. I think you can win this one. I really do. 
I don't have a chance. Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer have already stepped away. Is Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald, next? Will Larry Fitzgerald, the future Hall of Famer, retire before the next season begins? I don't think he does. I think he still wants to play the game. Uh, we had an opportunity to see this guy play before Bruce Arians. We've had an opportunity to watch him play before Carson Palmer, and he played lights out football. I say he continues to play because he still has gas in the tank. If he wants another year, he'll get another year. If he wants another two years, he'll get another two years. He is the iconic Arizona Cardinal of all Arizona Cardinal players in the history of that organization because of the things that he's been able to do over his collective experience in years of playing in the National Football League. He's a Hall of Famer. Did it look like he slowed down any when playing this last season. We saw he had a, a great catch against the San Francisco 49ers defense to end that game and resulting into a victory. He still plays better than most in the National Football League. He still moves extremely well. My question is, if he retires right now with a young body in mind and capabilities of playing the game, what will he do? He loves to play golf. We know he went over to Europe, over to Ireland, and actually played over there. Uh, but I don't think he'll want to travel that much and play that much golf because I don't think he's ready. I think he stays in the National Football League. I think he stays with the Arizona Cardinals, and I think he continue to play with these players he have on that offensive side of football with David Johnson coming back and whomever the quarterback may be, whomever he may be, could be Alex Smith even, could be any one of those guys. I think he gets an opportunity to get one more year. Back to you. My man, you're spot on. And I know that debate is the lifeblood of what we do in sports media. But when Cordell is that rational, I just have to embrace the sentiment. Plus, we never talk about numbers. I don't have this off the top of my head. This is a quick lie, Google go search. You realize how productive Larry Fitzgerald was this year? 109 catches as a slot receiver, yeah. Yeah. 1,100 yards. Yes, he's 34, but he's in impeccable shape. And I think he's also in the legacy-enhancing business, undeniably first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. But every catch, every yard, every touchdown solidifies what's going to be part of the narrative in Canton, Ohio. So I don't think the quarterback matters that much. Whomever it is, probably Cordell's guy, Blaine Gabbert, Larry Fitzgerald's coming back for another season, Abe. Yeah, I think Cordell's uh, absolutely right. He had a great season again. I know he's aging and all that stuff, but he's still getting it done. And uh, who knows what happens uh, with the quarterback situation there, but uh, I think he is coming back. He's not done yet, so uh, it'll be good to have him back. And it's good to see Cordell get on the scoreboard. We'll see if he can uh, keep the rally going here. Let's go! After hearing Jay Gruden's comments last week regarding Kirk Cousins, do you think that Kirk with the K Cousins, that's in the first name, not the C in Cousins there, Kirk with the K Cousins will be back next year as the Redskins quarterback? I tell you what, man, Kirk Cousins has been asking a question for a long time. You'd like that. You'd like that probably because they haven't given him the contract or the respect uh, that I would say he would love to have from this organization, considering uh, that they end up drafting him in the same round. And and, as a matter of fact, in the same draft, excuse me, as an RG3. Um, This is what I'll say from a from a 19 million dollar franchise tag to a 23 point. Uh, $9 million franchise tag to going even up to a $27 million franchise tag. The Washington Redskins may be stuck, I will say that, with a Kirk Cousins. And this is the reason why. What else is out there from a quarterback position from the standpoint of knowing who the player is, what he's done for the organization. And trust me, the things that Kirk Cousins has done, it's been done spite of not having a good offensive line, spite of not having a consistent running game, spite of the injuries on this team, spite of the defensive players on the defensive side of the football not staying healthy via trades, whether it's injuries. You remember going back to that game when watching and listening to Josh Norman talk about how this team was down to a 43-man roster. What was the reason why this team ended up coming back against the Seattle Seahawks on the road in Seattle. It was because of Kirk Cousins and his fourth quarter comeback, which he's had quite a few of those over his career as a starter with the Washington Redskins. I think all pride to a side. I think business at hand. Get this kid some help on the offensive line. Get him a backfield that's one that can help him just a little bit. They got rid of the receivers. Find a few more receivers via free agency, via trade, or via in the draft. 
grab a few interior players on the defensive line. I think this is a much better football, but you, football team, but you take him away. I know you have A.J. McCarron that's going to be available. Who else am I missing? Uh, that's a QB that's out there. You have Jay Cutler, who I think is going to be free. Ace you have Alex Keenum. Smith. Case Keenum won't be on Case the market. Case Keenum, I don't think, I think if anything, Case Keenum, I don't think he leaves Minnesota. That's another conversation for another day. If he goes off and wins this game against the Saints, which takes him to the NFC Championship game, I think it makes it difficult for Minnesota. But when I think about this situation and for this football team, when it comes down to Kirk Cousins, the grass isn't always green on the other side. He's still a young quarterback. He still has a lot to offer. I thought they played good in spurts, spite of how bad everything else was around him. And it's just a matter of now this team dropping their pride, even though the owner, the president, president of his team, came out and called the man Kurt as opposed to Kirk Cousins. That's a little disrespectful. But when you look at what else you have left to do, I think Kirk Cousins is the best piece to this puzzle and what they could possibly do moving forward. And it's not his fault that they've given him every bit of what was it? 44 million bucks, 40, 43 to 44 million bucks over two years with a franchise tag. I think they lock him in, give him a probably a five year deal, three years guaranteed and go off and ride into the sunset because you know what? San Francisco's not open because Jimmy Garoppolo is there. And now Kirk Cousins, he becomes the hot topic. I think he stays right there in Washington, understanding that he has a better chance staying where he is than going somewhere else. Well, he has no clue what's going to take place. Because, again, Alex Smith will be in Denver. Go ahead. Back to you. You know my reservations when it comes to Kirk Cousins. I think he's just a guy, and I don't have to ramble through all the stats to back up that point of view. However, you're worth what someone is willing to pay you. It's all about perceived value. As a Jaguar fan in the past, you know I'm an objective journalist on this show, I'd love to see Kirk Cousins in Jacksonville because Blake Bortles is not the long-term answer, but given how this team is structured, they're spending more money on defense than at the quarterback position, and Bortles is affordable next year, the option less than $20 million. You're going to be paying Cousins, whomever it is, an average of... $22, $24 million. He's not taking less than the franchise tender, and that's why Washington has butchered this because they had no sense of how to handle the long-term implications of a pay-as-you-go strategy. But to answer the question, he's coming back because of one name we have not mentioned. We talked about Bruce Allen hacking his name, not Kurt. I'm Kurt on this show. It's Kirk Jay Gruden. Lukewarm with the praise at best, but it's Dan Snyder who's calling the shots and writing the checks, and we know his history of writing a lot of checks to a lot of players who could not compete anymore. And you go with what you know, even if it's flawed. I think Snyder at the end of the process matches. Now, Cousins is a unrestricted free agent, but Snyder's not going to let the money be more attractive elsewhere. It'll be up to Cousins. Does he want out that badly? He's going to take a little bit less. I think we're all motivated by money at the end of the process. So to answer the question, even though I would let Cousins move on, I wouldn't even offer him a contract. That's not going to happen. He will be playing for the Redskins next year under the terms of a new multi-year extension with a minimum of $60 million guaranteed. Uh, B-Web, you were headed towards victory there, but uh, you switched your answer. I thought you were going to say that he will not be with the Redskins. You sent him back to the team, uh, but I thought with a worse uh, explanation than Cordell had. Well, it's a talk so. show, my man. I could have just said Jacksonville and turned off <laughs> the mic. Should you should have. You would have taken a, a, a massive, pretty bad. <laughs> possibly uh, unable to mount the comeback lead there, but uh, Before you because move on, of that. Because you failed to book any guests in the final hour of the show, oh, it's he's, Cordell, he's you now, yours truly, oh, and you super up. producer, taking us from point A to point B, matriculating sentence by sentence. Hey, well, let me let's tell you something. Let me help you out with this, Abe, real quick before you get him, because you have the right to get him, okay? Was he singing like this when he was up to nothing? It's he was letting you. He was he letting you build, dig your own grave. Now, oh. now he's in it though. All right, tie-breaking <laughs> question, final question of the day. Today is National Shop for Travel Day. If you could take a vacation to anywhere in the world, Cordell, where are you headed? I would love to go to see the Colosseum in Rome. I think you know. I've watched the movie Jump. You remember Jumpers? 
when the guy would jump from one country and, and one city to another, robbing banks, all that good stuff. I'm not thinking about robbing banks, but I thought it was pretty intriguing that he ended up going to one of uh, the better places, uh, which was, I thought, the Coliseum, which is the first stadium uh, ever. Uh, to be up, and I think we've basically come out and, and, and followed the blueprint of, you know, when it comes to cheers and excitement in an area and in, in an arena uh, that gives you an opportunity to to go for your team. I would say somewhere like Rome. I've never been to Europe, uh, and I would love to have an opportunity uh, to go somewhere like that to experience all that he has to offer, all of his rich and tradition when it comes uh, down to whether it's pictures, whether it's infrastructure, just so that I can get an idea of who we're biting our style off as a country here in the United States, because we do have people from Barcelona, Spain that actually are listening to us, even though I mentioned Rome, but everyone's listening so they can understand. I'm trying to be a well-rounded guy here, but I would love to have an opportunity to go to Rome. I think it's from what I've seen from afar, it's beautiful. Um, and I would love to have a chance to mainly get a chance, mainly get a chance to see the Coliseum, the original Coliseum. Not the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Just to be no. the fact checker on the show, you've been to Ireland. Ireland is part of Europe. so you have yeah, It Europe. is, but it wasn't my trip. This mm. was a trip with the team. So I, I don't count that as one that I actually took my money and actually put the time in to figure out if we have a, a person to help us, you know, go around a chaperone to help us go around and, and just see the, the sights and everything. That's one place I would love to okay. go. Okay. And let me book your trip for you because you know the answer I'm going to spit out momentarily. Palm Springs? Go ahead. No. Fly to London. I want your trip to sound like this. Fly to London and then you go over to Paris and then go down to the south of France, then go over to northern Italy, check out Milan. And then work your way down Italy. You'll have a lovely vacation. What are you doing this? May, June this year? When can I book Cordell going abroad? Well, I have to uh, I have to figure this out because it's one of the places that I really do want to see. And I mean, of course, London, Paris. Well, all just these, let us know, okay? All these great places. Mark Carrier's not go. available every day. I got to reach out to Cohen. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, that's on y'all. Mm. But I'm on vacation. Ciao. I love you. <laughs> Cordell but I'm out of here. Buongiorno as he goes across the <laughs> Arriba pot. Dirty, my Fellas, friend. you know the answer. I'm the Bill Belichick on this show. No days off. Yeah, no days off. I'm not going anywhere. America, huh? I'm going to pass right. away in this chair I purchased a couple well, years as ago. as long as it has wheels, you can pass away as long as you want to. They roll your ass <laughs> right out the door. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's with B-Web. So, Abe, the answer is because you're a grinder. You have no life like me. I'm not going oh, anywhere. Hey, Who wins? You just came off of a cruise. You had a great time with your life. Are you kidding me? Cordell threw a jumper reference in there. Hayden Christensen, Jamie Bell from oh, 2008 Roger or whatever Ebert, year that I was. Forgot. Yeah, Cordell gets the point. Cordell wins today. Oh, what a comeback. Dude, hey. Did you watch the national championship last night? Uh-huh. It doesn't stop there, baby. It also comes here on our show called Tune In Here on No Huddle, baby. I let you, boy. You know you know this. All you had to do was go from Cordell to Slash, and you're the big winner. Well, all Coming you up. do is win, win, no matter no what. No matter what. Well, I gave you an opportunity to start off quick, fast, in a hurry. For the month and, of June, um, Brian Weber just couldn't seal it. You couldn't finish. Great you just job. Couldn't finish. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.